Wow, I, I forgot how to do this. Uh, welcome to everyone who's new here and welcome back to my previous listeners or should I say friends of the podcast. I really miss doing this. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you everybody for your patience while I took a break from the podcast to focus on the beginning of a PhD program. I really appreciate all your support and patience and I hope you enjoy season three. A quick disclaimer or just a quick little note, if you'd like to get constant updates on either the podcast, PhD, or academic tips, and let's just say more book content, then make sure you follow me on Instagram at Sabin Al-Maldi. And without further ado, let's get into season three. or hello and welcome to the Bedouin's Coffee Corner, where we discuss initiatives, progressive movements, and change makers in the Middle East. Before we get started with introductions, it is tradition at the Bedouin's Coffee Corner to virtually pour you a cup of Arabic coffee. And so <laughs> I wish I was there to have And so it. I'm gonna go ahead and pour you that. Right? I, I kind of wish that when I come to Dubai, I'll like, you know, make Please. coffee and, and bring it you over. Come, come over for so that would be fun. <laughs> I'm going to virtually give you your cup of coffee. Hayaki Allah, welcome to the Bedouin's Coffee Corner. Thank you. Thank you so much, Saba. I'm so excited to have you here today. So for our listeners, can you please introduce yourself? Of course. Um, my name is Chantel. Um, and- Instagram are like one of the coolest women I have ever seen. And, <laughs> you know, I found your page because... Like when I was going through the phase before actually wearing the hijab, I was looking for women in literally every single path, field, like doing different things because I was like, I want to surround myself with these women who are so incredibly inspiring and be like not afraid to put the hijab on and be like, okay, like if I want to do something, I can because look at these all, all these awesome women wearing hijab that can't do these things. Um. And so I found you, you're this really cool biker, like you have this awesome personality and you really inspired me. And I remember telling my mom, like, look at what this woman is doing. Like, she's so cool. And she was like, yeah, she's awesome. Um, what's it like being a hijabi who's a biker in the Middle East? Um, well, you're going to make me cry with all that. Uh, thank you. That's, that's huge for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it means a lot, really. And I remember when you started wearing hijabs. Congratulations again. I remember when you made the post about it, and I was thank you so happy to see that. I didn't know I, ins- I was one of your inspirations, and I think um, that holds a lot of value for me. So thank you so much. Um, to answer oh, your you. question, <laughs> um, the, it's to me, to be a hijabi biker in the Middle East, it's just normal. I think a lot of people uh, have misconceptions about what it would be like, but everyone does it like it's not it's not a big secret it's not something that is unusual here um and i love seeing it i love seeing yeah. not just hijabi but women on bikes and and just breaking that stereotype seat around here so it's just normal <laughs> you get a lot of support though so how do you think the perception of you know the arab society on women who are bikers has shifted because I feel like, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, it might have been slightly different to like how people perceive um, women who are bikers now. Because as you just said, like now it's normal, right? But like, I feel like before it might not have been as common, let's say. So how do you think our perception as an Arab society has shifted? And where do you think that's headed? Um, to be honest, Sabal, it's... Um 
it's different because it depends on your your dem- like your demographic, your geographical location, everything. So it's it's age, it's education, it's location. Um, it's not the same yeah. all over the Middle East, right? So for example, when you go right. to Lebanon, they're like, oh yeah, just another one. You know, you go to to Jordan, it's the same thing. Oh yeah, just another one. Um, here, there's so much respect as well. So yeah, like it's common, but right. Uh, there's, there's also that, that difference in treatment towards women in the UAE. And I think in the GCC as mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I, I think it's headed towards more progression. I had a lot of negative feedback on Instagram from certain uh, people that belong to certain demographics. So um, yeah. Arabs, right? Arabs, but different than what I would encounter here on the street. And yeah. you notice that you pick up on it. So it's their level of education. It's what they're exposed to. You know, it's, it, right. it varies, but you know, Alhamdulillah, I've been so lucky and blessed that I haven't faced that in person. It's just mm-hmm. been trolls on, on Instagram. <laughs> and I think it's, it's who it's cares headed- about trolls on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who cares about them? Um, no, they, um, the thing is, I think, I think it's headed towards more progression and I think it's great. So um, I mean, for example, like Saudi Arabia, women driving, right? It's just there's so much yeah. progress happening for women's rights. Um, and I'm here for mm-hmm. it. I mean, I will clap for any female biker. Um, I'm happy to see more and more getting into uh, the media because it's nice to shed a light on what's normal for us, what people don't expect to be normal for us. Yeah, I love that of like what people don't expect to be normal for us because there's always this like um, – not like misconception, but pre-assumptions that people might have, right? So it's so interesting to see how that's like shifting as well. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think, I, you know, a lot of women ask me, you know, how did you get on a TV show? How did you do this? How did you do that? As a hijabi, as that. And I'm like, guys, everybody can do it. It was just me saying yes to an opportunity that I didn't expect to be as big as it did, as it got. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's great. You know, if, if there's anybody that needed coaching, you know, like, hey, how did you do it? I'm happy to help because I think it's so important to get the word out there. And I think the more we see it, just the more acceptable it accepted it would be and the less unusual it would be for the media. For sure. Yeah, that's true. I agree. So that being said, what have been like some of your highlights throughout your journey as a biker? And then also what have been some challenges that you've faced um, as a biker, I mean, I think it's, uh, it depends on how you look at it. So if you're looking at it as, uh, learning and, and becoming a biker, uh, the challenges, of course, there's mm-hmm. always fear because there's always, you know, people telling you oh, it's so dangerous. Oh, my friend, my cousin, my second cousin twice removed died on a, on a bike. And, you know, it's, and it's like, you can walk outside yeah. and you can die. You can die in your sleep. Right. So that was yeah. one challenge. Another challenge was, of course, the judgments of people. Um, I remember when I came back from uh, riding in, I think it was Jordan. I came back and, and I was mm-hmm. like, no, it was Lebanon. And I was limping because I had fallen. Um, and yeah. my mom just like went into the fetal position and was like, please don't go. Don't go riding again. And I'm like, mom, I didn't fall off a bike. Aww. You know, and it's just seeing Oh, my that. God, my heart. <laughs> yeah. And, right, so that's another challenge. Um, again, fear. But then um, the other challenge is just you know planning and, and making sure you can ride. And and then there's also the judgments of society. Um, the one thing I was surprised about was my father was like extremely proud, just showing me off. Meanwhile, like these random 
men on Instagram are like, you're supposed to be with a mushroom. You can't be wearing that. How, you know, how yeah. are you riding daylight as a woman? So there's that aspect of it. But I think it's overall, right. I, I think it's been more rewarding than challenging, to be fair. Yeah. How incredible that is to for it to be more like rewarding than challenging. I think that's so great. And, you know, I think it's really inspiring because you are breaking the stereotypes. Like I saw that you've spoken about that multiple times about how, you know, you wanted to break the stereotypes, et cetera, and you have. And so I feel like the fact that you're doing it, you're also paving the way for, you know, other women like you who want to do something like that, but were nervous or, you know, felt like they couldn't for a reason or another and and all of that. Um, And I think that's incredibly inspiring. Last question I have for you today actually is what's your number one piece of advice for not only people who want to get on a bike and start learning, but also for hijabi women who might feel intimidated to get on and, and go on that journey? Um, the journey of wearing a hijab or a journey of getting on a bike? Getting on a bike. Okay. Um, so, uh, Honestly, I think it's just, again, research. It's uh, whether you're wearing a hijab or not, that shouldn't be a contributing factor of, of how you go about it. Um, of course, you, you need to understand what you're comfortable with, uh, with the clothing-wise, mm-hmm. just explore, because there's so many different, um, you know, materials. And, like, for example, uh, wearing Kevlar, that's that's the most protect, protection that you can get on your for pants. And uh, mm-hmm. here we're so limited with it that I was only able to find like leggings, like Kevlar leggings. I couldn't find the, the baggy ones. Mm-hmm. But back home, you have so many different styles like bell bottoms, uh, baggy pants, boyfriend jeans, and they're all Kevlar. So, again, do your research mm-hmm. so you know what you want that fits your comfort because I didn't give myself that time when I was here. Um, mm-hmm. And then the helmets, the, the style of riding. So when you're training, you know, just do, do all of that research. And, and I think the most important part is – don't think about whether or not you want to do it. If you, if you get that urge of like, I really want to do it, just go for it. If something is, is holding you back, think of what is holding you back. Because I think that's important no matter what you're trying to get into, whether that's um, a sport, whether that's a hobby, whatever it is, you think of why, mm-hmm. why are you resisting? Um, and then you learn a lot more about yourself. And I just think that you yeah. should never um, restrict yourself from exploring your passion or what could be your passion. I love that. Never restrict yourself. Yeah. It's uh, I'm, I'm anti-restrictions. <laughs> we like that. We like that because you're right. You never know, right? Like you never know until you try That's how you figure out what like you like, your, your likes, your dislikes, what, what you feel connected to, what you're passionate about. So it's all about trial and error. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's with any decision that we make in life. Right. Um, yeah. You know, for, for me and specifically, whenever I felt like I didn't want to do something, I asked myself why. And I, I really had to um, prey on it. Like, why don't I want to do this? Is this, is this me um, self-sabotaging myself? Is this an insecurity of mine? Or is there really yeah. something wrong that I have to listen to my gut? Right. So there's so many different right. paths and you have to really know yourself. For sure. Oh my God. I love that. That's, that's so, that's so true. And so relatable. (laughs) Um, Those are all my questions for you today. Thank you you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for entrusting me with your story to inspire others on our platform. 